We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing, Seth? I'm good. Nice. And uh, we are doing a little early show on a Thursday on uh, early mornings in uh, well, where you guys are. It's uh, late afternoon where I am because uh, I'm still on a little workation here in Europe uh, after IAA. But uh, I'm going to be back next week back home. So we're going to be back on an old setup. But this week, at least, it shouldn't be too much audio problem. We got our set as it's on set up, and I, I got a little bit better one this week. So we should be good for a good show, and we have plenty to talk about. Uh, so let's jump right in, starting with uh, the Powerwall 3. So earlier in the week, uh, we learned of the first Powerwall 3 installations, but Tesla had yet... Oh, let me um, mute myself, uh, mute my uh, notification, though that would be useful. Okay. The Powerwall 3 installation started, but Tesla had yet to launch it on their website. We already had a lot of information about it because we had a few exclusive reports on Electric over the last few months about the uh, upcoming launch of Powerwall 3. But no official information from Tesla, even though installation started. But yes, the, uh, September 12th, two days ago, Tesla updated its website to launch the Powerwall 3, which is going to be complementary to the Powerwall 2 and Powerwall Plus. So it's going to be a new lineup. Uh, that address the markets in different ways. But now we have the specs. So as uh, we exclusively exclusively reported, uh, the bigger upgrade is the power output, which is now at 11.5 kilowatt continuous. Uh, they decided to keep the same energy capacity at 13.5 kilowatt hour. Um, also, there's been rumors that uh, it would be maybe an LFP cells. Uh, Tesla doesn't talk about chemistry in the specs. Like, they, they never talk about chemistry anywhere in their cars or anything like that, uh, officially at least, in the, on the consumer side-facing uh, stuff. But uh, I have to deduct that it's not uh, LFP uh, just because of the weight because it, it's barely... Uh, so if it was the same energy capacity as the Powerwall 2... And but LFP it would be heavier and it is heavier but barely heavier and what would um, account for that is the fact that there's an integrated solar uh, inverter in it so it has to be heavier for that and rather than uh, um, the energy capacity also it's the exact same energy capacity so you would have to assume that probably Tesla is using the same actual battery module in the Powerwall uh, just a different um, uh, power uh, electronics around it, including that solar inverter that I just mentioned. So it's solar to grid efficiency of 97.5% with six solar input um, with the uh, maximum power point trackers. Um, installations is all the same stuff. Uh, probably easier to install, but I mean, the, um, the, the, the where you can install it with what kind of temperature, minus uh, force Fahrenheit's up to 122 Fahrenheit's. Flood and dust resistant, flood resistance up to two feet. Uh, still a nice 10-year warranty. It's um, a little smaller, though thicker. than uh, So not as high, not as wide, but uh, one inch thicker than the Powerwall 2. Mm. Uh, of course, the Powerwall uh, Plus, <clears throat> you also have the inverter on top. Uh, that's sort of attached to it, so it's, that is definitely taller. But yeah, th- those are the main uh, the main changes. Uh, Elon commented on it uh, briefly. Where did it say? Oh, no, that, that was okay. That was on the other post. But he did say that the, the main difference <laughs> is ease of installation and power output. And the, the power output, the difference being so big, is making the Power Three uh, useful as a single unit. Because mm. I know, I, like same 
energy capacity, obviously, but what most people don't know is that the power capacity was the main reason that people would install more than one power wall at their place because the five kilowatt continuous output uh, is is just not that useful. That obviously that, that it's all depending on where you're installing it. So if you have a tiny little shack of a house, it's you, you might be super energy efficient, and, and five kilowatt might be enough. But if you have a fridge and uh, you, you want to run, um, uh, you, you want to run your dryer, you want to run things like that. Like it's it takes a lot of energy. So those are all things that it takes into account. And apparently it's also easier to install. Obviously, if you're installing it with a solar system at the same time, the solar inverter is integrated. So that's one less thing to install. So that's, that's a big deal. Um, and yeah, so, so now that Tesla has also the Powerwall 2 in its lineup, the Powerwall 3 is going to be used for a brand new installation at the same time as a solar system. Um, that is going to be compatible with, with, with the solar inverter. And Powerwall 2 can be installed with an existing system. Uh, so it, it matches most uh, major solar inverters out there. Or with a new system that is not compatible with um, uh, the, the, the Tesla Powerwall 3 solar inverter, basically. So you have an option for everyone. So does this also include the gateway? Um, so, for instance, um, when you go, when your power goes out, uh, there's a another box in the old system where um, you could see that there. <clears throat> where it so no, apparently, apparently no, because that that the first installation we saw here, the gateway was was there. Oh, they saw so the gateway. Well, so it the is solar I inverter mean, is the is the one that's being eliminated. Right, and uh, as the commenter said, um, that that's good for string inverters if that's the kind of solar setup you want. But kind of the big uh, players out there are Enphase, which do micro inverters. And uh, Solar Edge, uh, which do optimizers, uh, which you'll still need a uh, external inverter for that. But uh, simple if you're using Tesla uh, string inverters, which obviously yeah. Tesla would uh, want you to use. Um, yeah, and seems- for those for those Tesla is still selling the Powerwall two, so that's why the the, the two product are now being side by side. It's not Powerwall three replacing Powerwall two as a Right, so if you had a, an external solar inverter, you would get the Powerwall too because you wouldn't need the stuff on the three. Um, yeah. It is nice though that it's it's doing more jobs in one one package. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna make probably make Tesla a little bit more competitive for their own installation, the solar roof, for example, where uh, it's gonna is gonna save on installation on that, so the station time and station cost. Yeah, I mean, if you have solar on your roof. Um, you don't need quite as much uh, battery uh, because, you know, theoretically the sun's coming out during the morning, you know, when you're using most of your energy and it's going to be there the whole day. And this, you know, it'll keep the, uh, the battery replenished during an outage. So uh, I, I like the product, Uh, you know, obviously I already have a a solar setup, so it's not going to benefit me at all. And you have the, Original power walls too. The original, actually, the power wall twos. The original ones were like yeah. that weird shape. Oh yeah, yeah, the field. rounded one. I mean, yeah. those lasted like a year, I think. They, right. They were quickly replaced by power wall two. Um. All right. Uh, we have a lot of news that came out this week related to uh, the new Elon Musk biography by um, Walter Isaacson. So that was the big deal this week. Over the last week or two, there's been excerpts coming out of the media. To, as part of the promotional push for the book. 
but the book actually came out uh, on the 12th and we've been digging into it, trying to find some uh, bits and pieces of information that are worth uh, newsworthy. Because obviously, if you've been following Elon Musk closely over the last few years, the book might still be worth reading and everything, but a lot of it you already know about. So it's like, it's one of those, like if you're a giant fan, you might want like the 10% you don't know about, you might want it. Uh, I, I might be a little bit harsh here with 10%, but like, let's say like 10 to 30%. That is actual new information for you. Um, but if you're a big fan, it might be worth it. But we've been digging into it to try to get... Oh, shit. <laughs> the hotel is calling me. If I, if I don't pick up, they're going to... All right. Give me a, uh, can... Let's talk about robo-taxis. Um, so we're looking at this design. Actually, in the book, they had a uh, the, the original design. Um, and it was like a kind of like a uh, cardboard mock-up. And I think a couple of big tweet, uh, tweeters mentioned that, um, hey, that they're showing the robo taxi design, and it would be kind of interesting if uh, the the robo taxi was only a two seater. A lot of the other like robo taxi designs from Waymo and um, Cruise are four seaters. So um, just talking about like how the uh, the uh, robo taxi is a two seater, and that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to preface this with some like like a grain of salt, maybe, because the way this was introduced in the book is not like, hey, this is the robo taxi. Uh, it, it was introduced in the book more like uh, as the, it, in between chapters, there was a few pictures somewhat related to that chapter, and this particular picture appear um, before the most recent chapter. Uh, when, when I say recent, I mean like the, the in time. Uh, related to the robotaxi, it's called a, a robotaxi concept. So it might be one of many different concepts. And then secondly, there was also this picture that was much earlier in the book, in the 2016 era of the book, when they started talking about autopilot, which back then Tesla was already talking about a robotaxi too. But it's not clear when is this from exactly in time. And it says an early, and this one it says an early robotaxi, and it looks to be the same, roughly the same thing or the same shape at least. Uh, so it might be an early vehicle that's not the robotaxi now. So that's let's preface this with that, because for also, it's not it's unlike Tesla to release a new product that way to unveil a new product that way. That's not really normally what they do. But to play the devil's advocate to my own point here, at the same time, um, it might be like Exaxon was like embedded with Elon Musk for years and he got an interview with everyone, including Franz. And, and we can talk about Franz a little bit about that too, because maybe we can come back to it later because it's not exactly related to that. But the book made me think that Franz is a uh, much bigger leader at Tesla than, me, than I knew about i mean i knew it was critical in the design science of things but i think it, it goes like much further than that in terms of our entire product he was running the the production at uh the for the model s for the first at one year. point yeah 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 but you're like what the designer like he's and you know there was a lot of like well he's learning what his designs do like hey that little mm -hmm. thing i did now causes you know these people to have to do this or whatever so I mean, from an experience standpoint, that had to be super valuable. Yeah, but like, and that was when Tesla was much smaller too. Sure, but yeah, but more recently in the book, to the east, like he was leading meetings that are like critical to Tesla's uh, long-term road product roadmap that is beyond just design. 
But anyway, coming back to this, it's possible that Franz got so used to Walter being around that they're like, all right, they let him take pictures of this and then this is the actual vehicle or vehicle model or whatnot. So it's possible to, I don't know. But yeah, so let's assume that this is actually actually the, the robotaxi, the concept. Yeah, I mean, a two-seater is is wild, right? Like, does it make sense? I don't know. I mean, I guess you think about most of the times you take a cab, you're either by yourself or with one other person. So maybe. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you're also like often like, oh, let's split it between four of us. Right. <laughs> like, like that that also happens like relatively frequently. Now the idea is like it's going to be so cheap. Just call a second one. Um, right. You get drop off at two different locations. Like uh, that's even better. Like so there's some logic behind it. And are, are these three wheelers? These like Aptera things? I can't tell if they're three wheel or four wheel. Yeah, you definitely can tell from this. From this, it looks more like a four-wheeler, but at the same time, it looks like the wheels in the back are not at the same level as the wheels in the front. They are a little bit more inside the frame. So they, it might be. If not, it might be like we were talking about the, the micro car in Germany last week, the mm-hmm. Microlino that, that has this concept. It is a four-wheeler, but the back wheels are more inside. Too. Right, right. So it might it might be that. Also, which we noted, it, it's nice. It's good for efficiency, but it's a problem for getting Pot-holes. around portals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would be very surprised if it's a, it's a two seater. At the same time, later on in the book, they talk about a few things that match this concept. One, uh, futuristic cyber truck like. Looks like I mean, this is a black and white picture, but it looks like a metal, possibly stainless steel finish sharp hedges so it could fit the description of being cyber truck like uh they say smaller than the model three so it looks smaller for sure if it's a two-seater it has to be smaller so there's a lot of things that had up here that this could be an actual um tesla robotaxi early con early concept i mean it definitely is an early concept but i mean it could be still what tesla has in mind for the robotaxi I don't know about the doors. <laughs> the butterfly, yeah. another, another butterfly. How do you, yeah, you call it those uh, butterfly doors? I keep, I keep thinking about the Silicon Valley. Uh, like they go like this, not like this, like right, this, right. like this. <laughs> um, but it's interesting nonetheless. I mean, what was most interesting about in the book about this uh, robotaxi, and they, they keep they keep linking the robotaxi and the cheap twenty five thousand dollar vehicle together, is how not baked in the idea the vehicle program is yet the, uh, after it, it's even announced. Because, I mean, Tesla has been talking about RoboTaxi for a while. Yeah, and $25,000 car as well. Yeah, ma- mainly related to its existing vehicles becoming RoboTaxis, which like obviously hasn't happened yet. But the RoboTaxi dedicated vehicle was announced early last year. And... Uh, at uh, I don't remember exactly what event, but in the book they talk about a bunch of meetings that happened month after it was announced, where they're still discussing. It's going like Elon said, it's going to be a dedicated robot taxi, all built around self-driving. And then 
months later, they were like, yeah, I mean, you should probably have a wheel still. It's probably hospitals and everything. And then Elon was pushing back against, pushing back against that. Then there was the idea of maybe removable mirrors, removable wheel, removable pedals. And Elon pushed back against that. He said, he's, he blame me if it doesn't work and all that. But it, it shows like when Elon's announced something, we really need to take it with a grain of salt because it, this has been a running gag for a while now that all oh, the Tesla engineers, it's the first time they hear about it when he announced it, announced it on, on stage. But reading that book, it's like, all right, it's uh, actually, that's the truth. Actually. That's well, the at truth, least, yeah. At least based on these two vehicle programs, that $25,000 vehicle too. And the $25,000 vehicle, which I don't like the name, because especially these days with inflation and whatnot, like well, what is even $25,000? But... Elon was apparently not excited about it, even though he's been talking about it for a while and it was announced all the way back to the battery day uh, when the 4680 was announced because Elon says this is going to enable Tesla to make a $25,000 car. And then months later, I think even a year later, uh, Elon was not excited about it. And it's it's only when uh, France showed him a concept of it next to the actual robo-taxi where he started getting excited about it. And not only that, after it was announced, friends and, and a, a bunch of engineers showed him a study that showed that Tesla needed a $25,000 car to achieve the 20 million uh, vehicle per year goal, which I I would have assumed that he already knew that, but they needed that to, uh, to, to achieve it. And uh, then he was like, all right, we, let's move forward with that. But I thought it was they were already moving forward about it. But at the same time, I remember also Elon saying that calming everyone down um, early last year about the $25,000 Tesla. You remember when he said that uh, we're not actually working on it right now because uh, we are focusing on Model Y ramp up. So I, I know that there's been like ups and downs about the excitement around the vehicle program. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, that was interesting. Also from the book. It uh, it confirmed that uh, Tesla was that will actually build that robotaxi and the next gen cheaper vehicle in Texas first rather than Mexico. So when Mexico was around earlier, this was announced earlier this year. Um, it was announced as the place where the next gen vehicles are going to be built. The new Unbox vehicle platform, a vehicle uh, manufacturing system, going to be built there. Um, but that plans has changed recently uh, in May. And the book was almost in real time, really, like the, at least the latter part of the book. The book goes all the way back to the beginning of Elon's career and all that. Though it, it kind of shifts through a little bit of, uh, it, it's kind of complementary, I feel, a little bit to the, the Ashley Vance book that covered more of the early years. Yeah. I mean, Ashley Vance's book has been out for a while now, too. So, uh, so I, I think it picks up a lot after that. But anyway. I don't know if you remember on the advanced book, like when it came out, Elon was super pissed about it. And then later yeah. on, he was like, okay, like, and then now he's like friends with fans, I think. Like they talk on Twitter sometimes. Okay. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't noticed that. I remember uh, him being mad about it and everything, but I don't, the makeup, I don't, I don't remember. I don't, I haven't noticed. So in a recent meeting, as soon as, uh, as recently as May, uh, Elon and the team decided that uh, they are actually going to build the first vehicles, uh, next-gen vehicles in Texas on a new production line that's going to be the new on-box line designed there uh, simply because they want the engineers to be to live on the line, basically, as has been a, a team at Tesla. 
and Elon's going to be there too. And all summer, yeah, apparently I've been already working on it, designing this new unbox system. Uh, I have a GIF here that, uh, if you don't remember exactly what uh, it looks like, is this uh, idea now that uh, instead of having the body of the vehicle move along the entire production line, they're going to split uh, the sections of the vehicle and they're going to build, they're going to work on every section simultaneously and then bring it all together at the very end only uh, in order to be able to work. There's going to be more work done at the same time on the vehicle instead of moving an entire vehicle and then working on it bit by bit, which has been done since uh, since the Model T uh, really a uh, hundred years ago. So this would be a very revolutionary product, but at the same time, there's another thing, that, a report that came out today that threw a wrench into this. Um, so that's where they were with the Unbox earlier this year, Investor Day, when they announced it. But is that the next article or did I, I'm skipping to it? Well, we'll, we'll jump to it anyway. Uh, so this is a, a report from Reuters uh, about uh, Tesla achieving a breakthrough for a single piece car casting which would add to the unbox system somehow. That wasn't clear how it's going to be achieved in there because it's not exactly what you see in the unbox system. But the single piece casting idea, of course, you you know that Tesla has been investing heavily in Giga casting in the last few years. The Model Y now is produced at, uh, well, not everywhere, but in Texas at least, uh, with uh, one big front casting part, one big rear casting part, the... um, Battery pack, structural battery pack serves as the underbody. Join the two of them together and you almost have an entire car. You just have a few side panels and whatnot. More like what you saw from the, the Unbox just now, Unbox system. The single casting piece has been something that does, that Elon particularly had been talking about for a while. Said that he said he was inspired by the, the toy cars, the Hot Wheels, which are done as a single casting. Of course, they are no bigger than a few inches, but... He was thinking, why cannot can we not do the same thing with a car? And this is nothing exactly completely new. Like uh, you can see here, an actual patent application that Tesla had back in 2019 about some kind of giant gigapress that would do the entire body of the car in, in one piece. Uh, but there's been a lot of innovation needed to achieve that. So when, when you do a patent, like a patent is an idea. It doesn't mean that you have the technology ready just yet. It's yeah, you have an idea for it, and then if everything comes uh, together it can result in an actual useful uh, technology. But this new uh, report from Reuters here uh, states that Tesla has achieved a bunch of these new innovation that could now lead to this breakthrough, making this single piece hot wheel-like casting a reality. A few of the details that I, I find interesting here, and maybe I want to preface this because we often like jab on Reuters too about doing misleading reports on tesla negative misleading report on tesla and the tesla fans are always on them on that and there is good reason for that we highlighted some very bad reporting on the report on tesla so when we say that about their negative reporting on tesla this is obviously a positive reporting like you have to take them both with a grain of salt it works that way but in this case though there's a lot of logic to the report that that makes sense and it's based on apparently five people familiar with the move without naming them obviously uh, but yeah, the idea is that Tesla is now using uh, a 3D printing and industrial sand technology to create the mold for the casting. And the idea behind that is that the problem with the giant single piece casting is that the cost, the, the, the casting molds cost a lot of money, obviously. The bigger they are, the more they cost money. 
And why the automakers are, tend not to go that way is because they keep having to change those models. They keep having to iterate them as part of the production process. So the more you have, the bigger you have them, the more money it costs. It, it gets out of control pretty quickly. And it also takes a lot of time to, have, to remake them when you, you, you make changes as you move along towards your, your production. Uh, so Tesla using instead 3D printing and then send to create the molds has apparently reduced drastically the, those iteration time and costs, uh, making now the technology possible. However, that using that technology itself created other problems, including a material science problem where they have to, to find new alloys that both work with that molding process and also work as you know, a good alloy for a car, which needs a bunch of requirements in terms of crash safety and all that and longevity, repairability, and so forth. But uh, if you've been following Tesla for a while now, you know that Tesla has a very strong material science team, one that they actually share with, with SpaceX, uh, led by a former Apple uh, executive. And, uh, and yes, uh, they apparently made some progress. We don't go into the details about that, but they apparently made some progress, and they're closing, coming closer to that. Uh, the last piece of the puzzle, too, is... Obviously, you're going to need a giant gigapress for that. Tesla already is pushing the limits on that. They had, they keep having the, the biggest uh, gigapresses in the world. Most recently, the 9,010 one for, uh, for Cybertruck. And now they would arguably need an even bigger one. They're talking about up to 16,000 tons, which would be like a crazy machine, obviously. But at the same time, if it's going to be used for the next generation vehicle, which is a much smaller car, well, it makes sense to start with that. You start with a car that's already, that's that's much smaller, so you need a smaller press. Well, uh, relatively to to the car, obviously, because it's going to be still huge. Um, they haven't decided on that just yet, according to the report. The report actually states that they plan to decide this month if they're going to use that technology for that for the, the next-gen vehicle programs coming soon so that could that could change obviously the old Hanbox uh, manufacturing system but the Hanbox system could still work obviously because you basically since the underbody of the car is still the battery pack system so you can work on that you can you can have the battery pack move along the 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 line and install things on the battery pack because now the the seat for example bolts into it the dash bolts into it and then you can lower the entire body on top of it and then put the car together at the end. So the, the, the same concept could apply. It would be just um, change a little bit. All right. We have some very interesting uh, data about the Tesla Semi that's been coming out this week. And uh, throughout the next week, we've been report, we, we're going to be reporting on that. I've been, I've been posting some information on my, on my X account. Like I, I'm not doing an article every day on it because it's going to, there's not that much information, but uh, you can follow me on X for like the, tiny little details i'm going to have a bigger report at the end uh, of this uh, of this study that's going on as we speak which is the uh, north american council for freight efficiency uh, the run on less program it's running on 18 days they have a bunch of different zero emission trucks that they are testing and we get some data from them every day at the end we're going to have a full study on it so i'm going to post only the like the highlights of it uh, but I posted the first day to announce the announce the program here. So they have three different Tesla Semi running. So it's the first independent testing of the Tesla Semi that we, we've seen. And uh, you, you get the total mileage that they do in a day, the number of deliveries that they do uh, with these uh, uh, throughout these miles. And then you get even like granular data like this uh, 
uh, battery charge versus the speed that they're driving. So you can see that the, these trucks are mainly driving on the highway at, at 60 miles per hour. Then you have the battery state of charge uh, charted up with the distance. So you can see the first truck did the 416 miles the first day. You have the truck's activity. So you can see when it's inactive, when it's driving, when it's charging, when it's idling. Same thing with the speed charging versus regeneration. Like uh, th this didn't work for the first day or in the second day, but it's not working for the third day. So don't maybe don't take into account for this. Like oh, not all the data is working. And you have that for all three Tesla semis uh, going on right now. So the first one I said over 400 miles, 376 for this one, uh, 545 for this one. The There was one yesterday that I posted this morning uh, that did 789 miles in a single day. Uh, with five deliveries, I think. So that's that's pretty impressive. That's an actual like real world use case for a zero emission battery electric truck. Uh, you have some other trucks in there too, but the Tesla Semi is like, I'm not trying to be biased here, is the most exciting. Because like, if you look at the Nikola truck, for example, it's by what EV did 61 miles in a day, uh, but did 17 deliveries because they're just using it. I think, I think what EV is at the LA port, if I'm not mistaken. So it's just, it's driving very short distances, just moving like cargo around. So it's not, I mean, it's a great use case for electric vehicles. It, all these things should be electric for sure by now, but um, it's just not as good data, as fun data as what we want to see, which is we want to see um, diesel powered mileage on long haul trucking being replaced by zero emission battery, battery mileage that is powered by clean energy. That's what we want to see. And I mean, we've been following the Tesla Semi program for so long. Like it's 2017. It was, it was uh, unveiled. We were there at the event, and was it 2017? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and, and now, like six years later, we're finally seeing these trucks on the road doing uh, doing some work. All right, Seth. We talked a little bit last week about the IAA, the the, the protests that were going around that were quite mild, really. Relatively. Um, but uh, apparently there's something else that happened that uh, was not mild that is related to IA even though it didn't happen in Munich so for those I don't, I don't know if we talked about it on air last week but uh, IA used to be in Frankfurt until uh, four years ago well two, two editions ago like they, they do it every two years and they move it to Munich and the idea why they move it to Munich it was that they were going they were getting a lot of protests in Frankfurt which I, I don't know like maybe our German listener could could chime in here like what's the what's the cultural aspect of it but I don't know if like there's just there's more it's more liberal in Frankfurt and I don't know how that works but uh, well it was called the Frankfurt Auto Show yeah. like auto um, whereas IAS you know, so it was, it was the show itself attracting more protests rather than the location being more at risk of protests, maybe? I don't know. As somebody who who took a train from Frankfurt to uh, Munich <laughs> uh, the morning before the show, it, it's really not that far. Like yeah. Protesters could easily yeah, just can, hop on a no, train. Not if they don't have cars. <laughs> the the oh, train. Go on the train, yeah. yeah. But... I mean, is the train like is the train too polluting too? Like, you, like you have, like you have I think, to. I think they're supposed to take bikes and walk, not, yeah. not electric bikes, just regular bikes. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we're talking about pretty hardcore people here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we we discussed though that the the Greenpeace put some cars in the pond uh, in front of the IA uh, Messe in in Munich, 
And I found these pictures because we missed it when we were there. We didn't see it happen. We were in the messe, I guess, like doing our jobs. Uh, but they posted that Greenpeace posted that picture, and I look at that picture, and it has that has to be Photoshop, right? I, you would think that that pond was like no more than a feet or two. Yeah, of water. you could like, see the bottom. I mean, there were like lights down there and stuff. It, yeah, it's not yeah, a yeah. pond. And it's it's more like just a, a water. Well, it's an, or, an artificial feature pond right. feature water feature but uh there's no way like the, there's a car that looks like fully emerged like that doesn't look real i think i'm pretty sure this is photoshop anyway that was the height of the protest in munich last week but uh on tuesday in frankfurt 15 tesla vehicles were lit on fire they were torched down causing half a million euros of damage uh affecting other cars in the same time and a day later, yesterday, we, we, we learned that uh, a radical group has taken credit for the criminal attack, for, for the arson attack. And uh, they posted on a German version of the Indy Media website, they posted basically a letter explaining, explaining that. They linked it to the IA protest. So they said, like, yeah, this was related to the IA. So this is an attack against vehicles and everything, but specific, especially Tesla. Uh, so yeah, they said that uh, we flambe, like I'm sure they, like I translated from German, so I'm we burned down some new Tesla in Frankfurt tonight as a greeting to the protest in Munich, uh, as one attack among many of the destructive auto industry. So they they say it's a retribution against uh, the auto industry. So I won't I won't get into all the details of their maniac letter here, but in in general, there's there's two main. They hate Elon Musk. They don't like Elon. They say he has patriarchal fantasies. They take particular issues with Neuralink uh, and uh, and his Mars um, Mars uh, colonization effort, which they think is about creating a, a vacation spot for the for the rich, which is as madness as that. Like, if you need an idea of how like disconnected from reality those people are, they think that rich people want to go vacation on Mars. Like that's how connected to science they are. They think that rich people want to spend at best six months in a tiny little thing in space to get there, possibly lose their life, then get in. You don't you don't arrive in uh in the Fijis when you get there. You arrive in a in a desolate planet with not much to see and uh a very harsh condition like it's not if anyone wants to colonize mars it has nothing to do with being a vacation spot for the rich but anyway when it comes to tesla i'm losing my voice right now when it comes to tesla their, their point was a little bit more rational though not that rational it's about lithium and cobalt mining um more specifically about how it's uh represent oppression to indigenous communities now I can sympathize with that to a degree. I think like you know, no one wants uh, no, no one wants to marginalize indigenous communities. However, my the main point I want to bring out here. So, so I understand wanting to to bring attention to that. I don't think that's the right way to do it. Obviously, a criminal act is 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 not that. But when you when you make some you you make an action so grand so so maniac like that you have to have great proof here yeah you have to at least like all right show me some example of lithium and cobalt mining that negatively affected an indigenous community and is benefiting tesla too because you're you're automatically blaming tesla and they didn't do that so that doesn't look good there now from 
I follow a lot of mining projects um, related to lithium and cobalt and, and other uh, battery-related uh, resources and deals with engineers communities, especially in Canada and the U.S., are a must. Like every time there's a, a deal with them, they don't always agree. Then sometimes it, it involves a bunch of different tribes. Uh, but most of the times it does include a very lucrative deal with engineers community that they are the first one to approve. Like when you when you invest in a new mining project, that's one of the first thing that you look that they lock in. Do they have a deal? If if it, it is related to a land of uh, indigenous people, which is not always is obviously, then um, then then you, they have that. It, it's a big plus. Um, so you have to give us an example here of like, all right, this this is something, especially cobalt. So cobalt is a, a more difficult one because cobalt is especially mined in uh, the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I assume that's like their biggest, like that's where they have the strongest point there. But at the same time, it's not, that's not even really the problem with, with Congo. The problem with Congo is more like the disorganization of like the use of uh, uh, disorganized and, and sometimes even child labor. Uh, but that, that problem is not even like the, uh, a deal with the indigenous communities there. It's more about like, how do we get, uh, a, a more organized way to, to mine it because they, they want the people there, they want to mine this because they don't have jobs. Otherwise, that's how they get money. So they, they want this to happen. It's just they want this to happen in a safe uh, way. And right now, it's not happening. Uh, not everywhere. There's some, uh, there's like two ways there's the industrial mines and then there's the artisanal mines that, that are the problems. But that's, I feel like that's a completely different problem. Also, you want to burn down Tesla doing that? Tesla's use of cobalt is extremely minimal in their batteries. Like their batteries use very minimal cobalt and they are moving away from cobalt too uh, for a lot of their vehicles. So it's not really the best examples. Also, at the same time, Tesla is just going to get insurance money and then build those cars again. So what? Yeah. And it's going to take more, more resources. Yeah. They're just going to mine more. So clearly these aren't aren't the sharpest uh, tools in the shed over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not I big guess. on using morons in the headlines, but I felt like... Yeah, that um, was justified. Yeah, that was justified for this time. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to burn down some cars, like, hey, why not some, you know, gas pickups, I guess. Like, you know, <laughs> like, pick pick the cars that are causing the most problems. Um, and, and I feel like these guys are not doing themselves any favors. Uh, you know, like, you know, hitting electric vehicles, like, just it doesn't seem like the uh, they're getting the most bang for their buck in in terms of you know like trying to get goodwill from from outside folks. This kind of just yeah. seems like hey, we're going to be dicks about everything and and uh, we're not trying to get people on our side. Yeah, because the real environmentalists they, they look at that and like that's that's just you just created more emissions and any kind of your activism could could save like this just doesn't doesn't work or, or save or, or eliminate I should say. It makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I get the whole like you know uh, fewer cars on the road like that actually yeah strikes a nerve with me like I, I get it, but like come on let's let's come up with some solutions here let's you know like train infrastructure bike infrastructure those are all things we need but I don't know it just seems like yeah you know it's like the 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 peta things that uh, when they you know throw paint on you know people's mink coats or whatever yeah 
just not the right not the right the approach way. is failing the execution is not is, not, is right. failing like i get the sentiment but the execution i, I mean I, you should have seen the emails i've gotten from after writing this article said like it's, um, like you tell, it's discouraging for the future of humanity sometimes like i got a, someone that's like i don't know why you criticize uh those people taking those violent action because any kind of peaceful protest is uh is racist and uh and uh i uh, I, I think i stopped reading there. <laughs> i was like all right peaceful protesting is racist though so that to uh, martin luther king and, and whatnot uh um, all right, this this just came out today. Actually, the Cybertruck might get some optional scratch-proof coating that's going to make it scratch-proof to almost everything except things that are diamond-level hard. So that's uh, that's surprising because I mean, already the Cybertruck is. Uh, we we thought the stainless steel finish was already enough in terms of rug ruggedness. Ruggedness is that a word? Yeah, ruggedness. Ruggedness, uh, but. Um, I guess, I mean, if you don't remember, because uh, there's been fewer events of that, thankfully, but at one point, there was a lot of Tesla being keyed. <laughs> sort of similarly to what we just discussed, like Tesla vandals, like to a, obviously a different degrees here with arson. But for a while, it was fairly common, especially in California, especially in the in Silicon Valley, where uh, there's some rivalry between the more like hippie community and the techies, where they didn't like people driving Teslas and they would key them. And that's kind of where a sentry mode generated to to prevent that or to at least like shame people when it happened or catch them, uh, sending the video to police. But uh, and 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 that, it has worked for some. I would have heard a lot less of that lately. But uh, in the last week or two, there's been a few instances that came out on social media, and someone commented on X uh, saying that uh, with the Cybertruck, it's gonna people keying the Cybertruck are gonna room the keys, not the Cybertruck. And then Elon added to that. We might be able to offer an optional tog stand carbide coating, which is basically scratch proof to everything below diamond hardness. So it sounds like uh, it could be one of the few options available for the Cybertruck, this tog stand carbide coating. But at the same time, Elon has mentioned a few other possible um, Cybertruck. features uh, optional features like the solar roof for example that we haven't heard for a while and with the tesla cybertruck deliveries uh or delivery event starting soon i, I don't know what we should expect in terms of uh, options and accessories for cybertruck this i mean uh, technically the, even the cyber quad is a uh, accessories to the, to the cybertruck yeah i mean i have to say like the uh the cybertruck has a different look to it when it's uh, been used a little bit and uh, I don't I don't know if that's a like if that's the look you're going for which look kind of seems like a, you know Mad Max you know been driving around the desert kind of look then uh, that's good but I don't know I, th- I think it's that uh, people are gonna like be proud of like if their cyber truck is like beat up a little bit like people right. are gonna be like yeah this is I'm using it it's, it, we'll see. I don't know if it. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be mass market to me. But maybe I mean that's uh, one other part in the book that we saw. I mean, we, we kind of already knew about that, but they went into a little bit more of details in terms of uh, a lot of people at Tesla not being a fan of the Cybertruck yeah, and, and designer working on an alternative and everything. But Elon kind of shutting it down. 
Uh, even though like they can still bring it back if it doesn't yeah, work. Didn't Elon say that like before the launch of the Cybertruck that if this one doesn't work out, they've got a backup plan kind of thing? But you know what? Like I think it's almost impossible for it not to work out at this point. Just, I mean, to a certain degree, like especially now with what we heard from our supplier sources that they're planning about 300, 400,000 vehicles a year. I, I, Cybertruck might be hated by like 90% of people, but it's that still that 10% of like Elon and Tesla super fans that are going to want, want it anyway. That's going to be enough. But are there like, enough of those people that are? Eh, there's a lot of them. A lot. Like, there's but a lot. Like... But, and, okay, sorry. And then that combined also with the people that like, because Tesla, like you have to give Tesla credit where credit is due in terms of like specs and performance. Like they normally they hit the mark there. So there's a lot of people too that don't care about what the, the vehicle look like if it hits everything else they're like oh that's a good i don't know i mean normally i don't care too much what the vehicle looks like but that is like <laughs> that's too much <laughs> i mean the cyber truck is singular and like there's nothing that even comes close to it in what it looks like for better or worse mm-hmm. uh some people love it some you know i i kind of flip-flop on it like when it has like a nice skin on it i don't think it looks too bad but like the pictures I've been seeing recently of it being used. Like, I don't know if I could. That. And then the other thing is like, so, you know, when Elon goes out to like uh, the Chappelle uh, comedy thing and he goes in front of mm-hmm. the public, the general public. And, yeah. you know, you could say like a Chappelle audience isn't the general public. Almost universally booed. Like, uh, and so... the Chappelle public too is one that's like anti-woke and all that. Like that is, I would <laughs> think should... so. Like, yeah. anti, not anti-trans, but like yeah. anti-trans woke. I don't, anyway, kind of surprised me that. And then, he, you know, he was just like, they showed him at, at a gaming thing. and a league, uh, league of Legend tournament yeah, too. And, yeah. and, and like also like universally booed. And yeah, people were like saying like bring back Twitter. Twitter or, like, yeah. or the, the, I don't know if they were talking about the name or like actual like. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, policies. so either... You know, you you dislike Elon, and this is the ultimate representation of Elon is the Cybertruck. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you love Elon, and it's the ultimate. But then also, you're driving around something that is very representative of Elon. So, like, you know, people will be trying the windows and see if the, see if they're really bulletproof, like the, those kind of things. I mean, I, I'm looking at. I guess I'm, I'm biased from, with my perspective here because I, I, I mean, I'm I'm the first one to criticize Elon when it, when he needs to be. I think, but uh, if all the specs hit uh, what I want, I'm going to be the first in line to get it over most most vehicle out there. Uh, I mean, the other ones I'm considering right now is, is uh, the maybe at this point it's going to be the Silverado, maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the F one fifty Lightning. I kind of, I, I, I kind of want to wait for like the next generation. I think the next generation is going to be such a big difference, and it's coming like relatively soon. Yep. So, like, it, yeah, obviously, time. timing, it, timing yeah. is way different for me in Canada too. Like, the, the, it changed everything. So the Rivian's um, off your list. I'm. They, they send me last month. They send me uh, or the month before that an update, and like they say now, uh, like first quarter twenty twenty four, and. I mean, I've kind of lost hope a little bit for the Rivian uh, in Quebec. I don't know what they're doing, but I kind of feel like you could, you know, rattle some chains, like change your address to Ontario or something. 
I don't know. Maybe I, I should give it a shot, but Vancouver. I don't. I don't even know if they're gonna be able to build my configuration too. The way I actually get the um, like the the, the price that I were originally uh, supposed to get. So pricing also, like I I don't want like a hundred thousand dollar Canadian truck either. Like uh, I want like something a little bit more reasonable. Right. We'll see. All right, we have a few more news items to discuss, and then we'll jump into the comment section. If you guys have any question for us, if you can put, like, I've seen a lot of conversation right now in the chat, so it's going to be hard for us to, to get into some questions. So if you guys have some questions, just put question in front of it, and then we're going to get to it uh, and answer it a little bit later on on the show in a few minutes. Or if you have any, uh, like, a new subject uh, in the EV world you wanted to discuss that we didn't touch today, you can, you can put that in, too. We're going to get into it in a few minutes so we were just talking about uh tesla moving the, like the gigapress stuff and now hyundai has confirmed that they also have a plan for that um not the single casting that we just discussed but a, a more large a larger casting a little bit uh, closer to what tesla is doing with the model y right now and uh, they are um adding themselves to a list of automakers that have signaled that including toyota volkswagen volvo uh, that have signaled that they are moving towards that and uh, so it's it's based on a new trademark for hypercasting. So they're moving. They don't want to use the term used by Tesla with gigacasting. And it looks like it's planned for 2026. But as we just discussed, as they were getting to the the gigacasting stuff, Tesla is already moving to the single piece casting stuff. So, I mean, did we discuss like uh, you know like when when there's an accident, like is it more likely to be totaled if it's a yeah. single piece? Yeah, I mean, there's discussions about that, but honestly, like these days, like any kind of significant accident that affects the body of the vehicle, like the instruments are totaling it anyway. So I'm not as concerned about that as as most people are, just because of what I'm seeing. Um, I might be wrong though, but from what I'm seeing, like if you have something that affects the body already with with the multicasting technology. Insurers tends to like oh, it's total. We're not we're not fixing that. Right. So I don't know. All right, the uh, European Union announced that they are sending a probe into uh, incentive given in Europe to electric vehicles or electric vehicle buyers uh, and companies that are coming from China. Uh, so they're seeing a big surge of it, and obviously this is the protectionist alarm bell has been rung now in Europe and they're like ding 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 this is this is going to be a problem I'm sure that they got a little call from BMW Mercedes Volkswagen and all that and uh, they're like all right we're going to look into it and the uh, EU Commission uh, President uh, Ursula von der Leyen uh, has announced the probe this week and they're going to look into it and uh, obviously I would expect uh, I would expect something to happen about that because obviously China does it, the U.S. does it. So I wouldn't be surprised if the EU start realizing why are we the only one giving subsidies to vehicles that are not built here, and uh, they should probably do something about it. I'm not, I'm not saying they should like. I'm, I'm for as much subsidies as possible on energy vehicles as long as they're not counterparts on the gasoline part side. But uh, I also understand from the EU perspective, like they are letting them, uh, they're auto industry um, erode uh, with those those Chinese. I mean, here in the report, we mentioned BYD, NIO, and Xpeng, but, which are Chinese companies coming to Europe right now, but 
I would put Tesla in that. I would assume that Tesla is also going to be affected by that because they send a lot of Chinese vehicles to Europe. And I would assume that even though it's not a Chinese company, they would also be hit by those uh, potential new import fees. Obviously, Tesla is in a little better position, though, because they have Gigafactory Berlin. So if there is some time between now and when the uh, new potential import fees come in place, they could ramp up production in Berlin and counter the effect of that. Hey, did we talk about the 2024 Kona Electric? No, oh, I skipped that. You're right. Uh, yeah, so we have a bigger, bolder, and better than ever uh, Kona Electric 2024. So kind of forget some time about the Kona because it's like one of those three powertrain vehicles with the gasoline, the hybrid, and then the uh, all-electric one. But it's still, a, it's still a popular vehicle in some market. And now... Let's go with the new specs here. Do we have a... I like to have like a nice chart for that. Especially with the uh, bolt disappearing. You know, this is kind yeah. of like... That yeah. will disappearing for a short period of time probably. It should come back. Yeah. Right. As a next generation. All right. So a new and improved drag coefficient of 0.27, which for a crossover is, is pretty good. New pixelated system Horizon uh, lamp running across the front. Uh, so that's kind of reminiscent of the Ionic. Uh, exactly, yeah. A little bit of ionic I mean, they still have that charge part in the front, which is ridiculous. <laughs> that's the first thing I would have, I would have killed. Um, larger tech-infused living space, horizontal CPAT integrated dual 12.3 paranomic display in the front i mean that back seat looks exactly like the bolt yeah a little tight the front seats are 30 percent slimmer that sounds like a, a big change but there's more leg room they say oh i guess it's like uh slimmer in that like the thickness oh the thickness of this here yeah yeah so you get hard more to... room in the back i guess yeah hard to tell from this Though it though that that curve looks kind of pronounced, so maybe yeah. it makes sense. Uh, all right, do we have some updated powertrain spec or well, two battery option? Forty eight point six kilowatt hour with one hundred and thirty three horsepower motor, and then sixty four point eight kilowatt hour. That sounds the same, right? I think that is the same, um, but yeah. it does have vehicle to load now, which I think is an, an improvement. Mm. Okay. At least over the initial ones, they might have. That might be from last year. Yeah, we don't have pricing uh, yet, so obviously the pricing is going to be an important factor here because it is in the cheaper uh, lineup of electric vehicles. So if it can be, if the price point can be attractive, it, it, it could still be a successful vehicle. I yeah, like I this think... color. This color, like this uh, tennis ball color, is uh, yeah. It's it's different. Keep coming back to the bolt, but there's a shock. It's called shock on the bolt. Mm -hmm. uh, one year they did that. Um, I also say like the problem with the Kona, I think now is that uh, since the uh, Infrastructure Reduction Act came into play, you don't get much, if any, uh, money back unless you lease this thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, com compared to like, you know, the U.S. made bolt or other, you know, I, w I don't want to say it's the same thing, but like, uh, you know, Mustang uh, Model Y. Uh, those type of vehicles, um, you're saving a lot of money. So this is going to be priced similar to the Model Y, and clearly it's not nearly as as robust of a vehicle in in a lot of ways. So it's going to be a hard sell on that 
that point. Yeah, it's it's always hard to to fight subsidies. Like if you have a vehicle that has it, the other that doesn't, it doesn't make much sense. Right. All right, we have this interesting report this week about the energy secretary. She set out this summer on a, on a road trip to highlight um, the, the goal. So it was featured in the NPR article. So Jennifer Grenholm, U.S. Energy Secretary, set out with all her staff and a crew and an NPR journalist to cover the, the thing uh, in, a, in a road trip, AV road trip from Charlotte, North Carolina to Memphis, Tennessee. And it, the goal is drawing attention to the billions of dollars the White House is pouring into green energy and clean cars. Okay. Uh, so they had a few stops on the way, obviously. And there's plenty of things um, between those two locations uh, that involves electric vehicles. Uh, North Carolina, of course, has a, a bunch of EV plants there. Tennessee has uh, VW. Um, so they set out in a Cadillac Lyric, a Ford F-150 Lightning, in a Chevy Bolt. They didn't say if it was the EV or EUV. Um, and actually, Grenholm is an EV driver herself. She used to have a Bolt. Uh, now <clears throat> drives a Mustang Mackie. So she was very well aware that this is not going to be a super easy trip. And I mean, I, I've done like, if you remember last year, I've, 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 I did my uh, review of a an electric road trip in the South, and then I did it in the Mackie. And I noted that it is a real problem in terms of uh, non-Tesla vehicle charging infrastructure in the South of the U.S. is just not not there yet for long distance driving. It's still doable. Like I did it, did it successfully, but it was stressful. Like I, I hadn't felt uh, that kind of range anxiety in a little bit. Uh, while if I would have done it with my Tesla, I would have had no problem. Um, and the the NPR article, by the way, like is is pretty good at it. Like I would uh, save it. I linked it in an article and send it to your friends in the south, maybe that uh, like are not. Like they think that EVs are never going to happen because of the charging problem. It, it's pretty good at explaining the fact that, yeah, this is a problem for sure. But for non-Tesla vehicles, Tesla vehicles are fine right now in the South. And obviously, this $7.5 billion coming is aims to fix that. But what was very hilarious about the trip is that, um, look, if you're going to show like how an electric vehicle road trip works these days, like you have to show the problems too. And they try to cheat <laughs> where when they arrive in Georgia, uh, in, in Grovetown, which is just outside of Augusta, Georgia, they arrive at an Electrify America station or actually, so there was these three electric vehicles that they had, but they also had secret service people following them around in SUVs and whatnot and, and staffers. And they, they send the staffer ahead. We realized that one of the charging station was uh, uh, broken. Not a big surprise with an Electrify America station. But also, and the the there was another one that was in use, so that they couldn't uh, charge all three vehicles at the same time. So what they did is that when one of the the one in use left, they put one of the gasoline cars in that parking spot to to block it, so that when the that, which is messed re- up, by the way. Yeah, super that's messed like up. So almost like a war crime in my book. Yeah, and so that they when the energy secretary would arrive, she could charge. Uh, but someone arrived before her, so that was the goal, obviously. So if that happens, they couldn't charge. And that person was pissed. Uh, they had a baby in the car. It was super hot. They needed to charge to get home. 
and uh, they started to argue with the staffer involved. The article was never gro- explaining like whose idea it was, but whoever idea it was was a poor idea because it makes it makes everyone involved looks bad. Um, and they ended up calling the cops on the energy secretary to have to have this handle because they said, "I'm here first. This is a gasoline car. It has no business in the spot." Completely in their in their. I agree. Lives. I would have done the same thing. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for them, though, uh, in Georgia, there's no laws preventing gasoline vehicles to park in a uh, charging spot for EVs, which is a crime by itself. Uh, the legislature in Georgia needs to get on that ASAP. It makes no sense to do that. It's it's not a parking spot. It's a charging spot. Um, so, but I mean, I guess they still understood that they were in the wrong so that they tried to negotiate with them and they ended up finding a level two charging station or I don't know if they said level two, but they said slower charging stations and to, to charge the vehicles so that the, the person could charge. But still it's an extremely bad look that highlight our issues with, again, non-Tesla charging because that would have been a lot easier because uh, there's a bunch, especially around that area, there's actually a bunch of Tesla charging station superchargers, um, which Tesla could open to non-Tesla vehicles to, to help, but that's coming. Yeah, so I'm actually taking a uh, trip this afternoon to um, Cape Cod, and there's no uh, charging stations on Cape Cod. There's like one right at the beginning. Um, so I was like, "What? Like Cape Cod doesn't have any?" Uh, it's a big EVs. Spot. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a Tesla supercharger like halfway up, but like I'm taking the Rivian, so um, I got to mm-hmm. charge at the beginning of Cape Cod and then do all my stuff up there and maybe get a, a slow charger. And then when I come back, charge on the way out. Where, wherever you're staying, there's no level two. Wherever you're there, there's like one down the street at like a CVS, but I know that's going to be you know really a, uh, kind of a hassle to. Walk I mean, there hotels. I, yeah, hotels. They need. I mean, I don't know. It's a hotel that you're staying or Airbnb, whatever. But it's a hotel. Yeah, hotels. It's a no-brainer. They need to install those. I mean, I, oh, we didn't talk. I don't think we talked about that because I mean, this week is podcast a little bit because last week was on a Wednesday, so it's like. We cover in like a week and a half, basically. But Tesla had this big deal with um, the Hilton hotels, like 20,000 universal chargers coming to Hilton hotels at 2,000 Hilton hotels location in North America. I didn't even know that Hilton hotels are 2,000 location in North America. Well, there's a lot of brands. They have like yeah, the, 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 the smaller ones, I guess, like right. the Holiday Inns that are everywhere. I don't know if that's Hilton, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's a no-brainer. And they, they said something like six minimum per hotel. So that's that's smart, too. Like you have you, you need a bunch of them. Because I, I did arrive at some hotels sometimes where there they was only two and they were already in use. Though generally yeah. you can you can ask the desk and the, the, the inform the person because normally they're already charged and everything. Yeah, I wonder what like the the optimum final like boss situation looks like at a hotel like what what is it going to look like in 2024 or 2040 when <laughs> yeah that's a year from, yeah 20, next year, yeah that's a good question like? well yeah you mean like are all the charging all the the parking lot have a charging spot is that what you're saying like maybe i mean what what do you do i i kind of feel like you just put like outlets everywhere yeah i mean that's There's level one easy yeah level one is not bad too uh yeah, just make sure there's an outlet. You get 40, 50 miles extra. And then, so of course, you can get people... to that level three at some point. Else. Right. And then, you know, the, the people who are, uh, you know, in dire need can use a, a level two charger. That's, that you charge money for, too. Like, yeah, so, right now, now, a lot of hotels, they don't even charge you for, for, for charging overnight, too. Yeah. I mean, most um, of the hotels. Some, some like... are start... Yeah. 
most of the hotels I go to and I'm like, Hey, that charger out there, you know, I need to get it started. They're like, we have no idea what that is. I don't know how to work it. Like what somebody put it there. We don't know. It's, it's really like, and you know, like it should be part of a hotel experience. Like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's a, somebody pooped in the pool. Like they could go fix that. Like, like what, why can't you, uh, that that's a particularly gross one, but you know, it just seems like, guys it's really not that much that hard although i will say like uh you know we had some uh some of rachel's uh in you know, relatives in town and they're very smart people they're very like green people and whatever they have prius the the whole car <laughs> car charging thing for them was like really like you know they, they were driving you know up to cape cod with our tesla and we, you know they decided to go get off the freeway and you know we had mapped out the chargers for them they got off the freeway. They went like, you know, 20 miles or you know, 10 miles to a whatever. And we we're like, well, now you got to change your charging stations. And they were kind of like, you know, that it was, it was just kind of weird that like, you know, they're not thinking that way when they could have just, you know, obviously pulled into a, a supercharger or whatever. Anyway, uh, point is it, it's, it's kind of a new world for, for everybody. Yeah. All right. Should we jump into the comments here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Root wishes it was actually a Friday afternoon. Same here. Um, AC will save your life in Phoenix and Dallas when there's a power outage and a heat event. That's a a pretty good point. Sad, sad, maybe commentary on the situation, like with the heat indexes. But like you, if you lose power in some of these places in the middle of a a heat thing, like you're going to die. I mean, obviously you can go to, you know, get in your car and go somewhere whatever, but Pretty pretty important stuff to use backup power things, especially in these areas. All right, Solar Edge are using rebranded K Star cattle LFP batteries on their three phase inverters. Not sure if you know the chemistry of this new power wall. Uh, we kind of speculated that it was the same chemistry because of the weight. Yeah. I think it's um, NCA, I think they use on the power walls. It's NMC on the cars, NCA on the power walls, if I remember correctly. Okay. Uh Ismail Youssef, that robo-taxi design looks too much like a concept and not really worth commenting on. Wait at least until it's actually moving on its own. Well, we, we had two different examples of it, so it was kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it's still worth reporting on it, I think. You know, yeah. that, was, that was their thinking at least one point in the, mm-hmm. the process. Uh, Carl in San Diego, uh, at the least, they'd want a bench seat so it could handle three in a row, squeeze in a child, bucket seats don't fly for a taxi. Yeah, I'm I'm also skeptical on the two seats or uh, situation. Our old friend Joe Boras, uh it doesn't look that different from the original Rivian concept coupe. I don't remember uh, that one. I think the early EVs all had that some kind of small efficiency play. Wheels in the back are a narrow track like the original Honda Insight and the VW XL1. Those are both like super aerodynamic uh vehicles. Maybe that was kind of what they were thinking back in 2016. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Da, da, da. <laughs> Most exciting thing about Tesla Semi is nobody seems to care about the amount of load it carries for any given mileage numbers. I don't know if that's the most exciting thing, mm-hmm. but uh, certainly that'll be part of the uh, the equation. I uh, hope to see Electric do a day-long test drive of the Tesla Semi. could be very interesting. Uh, hey, I, I just now remember we're supposed to have a test drive of the SSMI that we won through the Riffle program, right? We never got that. 
Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's like from six years ago or something. We're supposed to have that. Never got it. Let me call Elon yes. Musk. Uh, yeah, DM DM him. We'll, we'll get right on that. Uh, by the way, do you you need a special license to drive those things, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think it was on the test track, like uh, do a launch on a test track or something like that, which I would still uh, be down to do, but not as yeah. cool as a full day long. Uh, regarding German trains, are they electric? They are, but um, depends on where they get their power from. But uh, the German grid is awfully green, and there are a lot of solar panels on the sides of the road. So, uh, Carl in San Diego, since you framed it this way, no EV protesters don't have to skip the electric train that uses pantographs and doesn't use batteries. And e-bike are sustainable, where full-size EVs won't scale. Hmm, full-size EVs, I guess. Under oh, zero carbon future. Uh, no, I don't support arson. I hope not. They definitely already burned gas cars. Uh, the cobalt thing is baffling. It's been used to refine diesel and gasoline for a century, but here we are. Morons is 100% justified. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's a lot, obviously, the, the use of it has increased a lot in batteries, but even like before EVs, like batteries would. Consumer electronics, like consumer electronics, use a lot more cobalt as a percentage in batteries. As a percentage, yeah, yeah, than than EVs, just because of the the need of density of energy density. All right, a little bit of a sidetrack on indigenous exploitation problems. When they dunk all the way through, is complicated. These people, even the kids, are desperate for basic living supplies. Uh, so they starve without the money. It's that's not a great commentary on the situation. All right, will the scratch-proof coating be to regular gold color? of tungsten coating of drill bits and saw blades is it so is that that's a you could change the color potentially there could be like a second like a like a other beneficial effect of uh like all right you get like the oh this two thousand dollar coating you get it scratch proof and also you get a different color than everybody else because there's going to be a lot of uh stainless steel finished cyber trucks out there all right we have some very anecdotal uh, stuff here. My wedding ring is tungsten carbide, which is interesting. And it isn't as shiny as when I got it. It has millions of micro scratches. Hmm. And uh, it's not as ugly as off putting as a cyber truck. Cyber truck will continue to create class wars with EV versus ice cars. I don't. All right. We're kind of going into some weird places here. Yeah. yeah there was a lot of conversation in the, in the chat, too. Let's see if we can find some questions. Yeah. Uh, I have a deposit for the Cybertruck in Silverado. Uh, so you mentioned the Silverado. Is it, why why are you a Silverado guy instead of uh, a Ford F one fifty? I mean, because I um like that big battery. Like I, I it's it's attractive of a big battery. It's like, a very I, big battery. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know, man. There's some of these trailers, these new like trailers that have been like coming up. Lately, like the living, not not the, not, not the living vehicle. That that thing is like insanely expensive. But uh, the other one, I forget the name, but it's from the Tesla engineers, and it's the one that is super aerodynamic and it pops up, and it's all mm. glass and it looks super cool. And and you can have a sixty kilowatt hour battery pack and a drivetrain in it, like that. And the Silverado, like you can drive basically all day, like do like six hundred miles in a day with a little charging stop. 
be like in completely different places. And I, like, just I feel like we have around. to have an intervention with you and Jamie. Like Jamie's going to have to talk to you about this a little bit. Why? What, what, what would Jamie? You know, say you know, Jamie's me? like always. Hey, we never. Oh, nobody, too many, too many miles. Too, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I agree with him, except for that, except for a truck, because of if you actually use it for for pulling a trailer, pulling some load, then it does make sense. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm, I'm I agree with him. Like, I wouldn't want to uh, lose the hair with 500 miles or a range and like a sedan, like a luxury sedan and 500 miles range that doesn't attract uh, me. But a truck that has uh, 500 miles of range and 250 miles of range with a full load trailer, hmm, that's uh, interesting to me. All right. I won't comment on that because I am in the... Uh, you have a giant Rivian. <laughs> a giant. It's a midsize. It's true. Yeah, I do. And, and I honestly, I don't know if I need it. Yeah. I mean, All there's right, more so, battery capacity at your house. Than, I know. Than, I know. Than, uh, than, the, uh, than the pack. I know. That's what's frustrating. Is like, I, I wish I could just have the batteries modular and like, hey, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> take the batteries that I need. Anyway. I have a little lift. A yeah. Little lift that you can put in. in the, oh, ro- I need car. a little, um, one of those, uh, you know, the Tesla robot things. Oh, yeah. That, you know, lift things. Arms. All right, this is interesting. I didn't know about this. Carl in San Diego says you can do a one-day lease. So this would be to kind of circumvent the, um, you know, uh, for cars that oh, don't qualify really? for the. Yeah, so you do a one-day lease and you get the seventy-five hundred dollars tax credit. You buy the lease out immediately. We did that with the BMW i4. Only problem with using the lease loophole with an instant buyout is with some states like Texas who tax you twice. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look into that. Um, we're going to have our leasing guy look into that. Because yeah, that would we be have a pretty... leasing expert. Might as well do an article on that because that's yeah. an interesting Google. All right. Uh, no more range anxiety. With LTO. When you buy out the lease immediately, they cannot charge you the lease rent interest. Buyer beware because some manufacturers make it hard to do the buyout, forcing you to do the dealerships. Yeah, Tesla is one of them. Mm-hmm. So Granholm learned about icing and then there should be a federal guidance so Georgia doesn't need to pass its own rule independently. That would be nice. Federal guidance. Yeah. Uh, Cape Cod is a destination. Destination charging is appropriate. You're right. Yeah. I, that's why I, I'm uh, surprised that the hotel don't, don't have it. Like if I'm I a know. hotel at a big destination like that, I would do it. There, there are some. And so we're, we're going all the way up to Provincetown. Um, there are some like uh, destination chargers that we will probably use. Um, it's just like you know, we would love to have a faster charging option, obviously. Uh, you will significantly shorten the battery pack lifetime using supercharger on this chemistry. Which chemistry? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because we just supposed oh, to study. Huh? He, he, talk, he talked about LTO before. So, oh. I don't know. Let's see. Let's move on. Destination charging output should be matched with the distance they are from fast charging nearby. Some places really need level two. I guess that's a good point. Uh, The light ship designers haven't explained how the drivetrain will coordinate with tow vehicle. That's going to be a difficult to control. Yeah, that's a good point. That's the one I was talking about, light ship. Mm -hmm. All right. Last thing. Steve Rose, is there a date yet for Cybertruck event? No, nope, not yet, but I would assume it's coming soon. At least the, the announcement for the event is coming soon. I thought it was going to be this week, so still one more day. Um, or maybe it's going to be this weekend. 
But uh, yeah, I would expect. I mean, soon, and it could be like also soon after the announcement. Like Tesla has been known nowadays, like to be like, all right, it's gonna happen like in two weeks from now, rather than a month. Wouldn't be too surprising. And what we've been seeing for the Cybertruck lately, with the crash test vehicle being spotted and all that, like it's uh, a real possibility things could move quite fast. So uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. We'll post as soon as we know. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. If you do enjoy the show, if you can give us a like. A thumbs up, wherever it is on your app that you're watching live, it helps. Also, if you can hit subscribe to know whenever we go live, because we're going to be traveling a lot in the next uh, month or two. Uh, so the show might not be on the Friday afternoon like it usually is. So uh, by hitting the notification button, you will know exactly when we go live. That's very useful. We do always post a sh- uh, an article on Electric at the same time that tells you um, when the show is going to be. Uh, if you're listening on your podcast app, we appreciate you too. And uh, if you can give us a five-star review, that also helps the show a ton. Um, we appreciate when you do that. We read the reviews too. And uh, we're going to see you uh, next week. Have a good one.